It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, June 21st, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. We jump right in with the California report. Tonight, a fire in the Los Padres National Forest has burned 2,400 acres. The difficult terrain has led to 0% containment. Then, California introduced new laws due to the pandemic, but have workplaces and schools been following them? And in National Native News, the remains of 10 Native students buried at the Carlisle Indian School are being returned to their homes. And in Washington State, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has sided with the Yakima Nation over land disputes with the county. We'll take a brief look at regional headlines and weather before Science News with Al Stoller. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. A fire burning in the Los Padres National Forest in Monterey County has grown to nearly 2,400 acres with no containment thus far. The fire is in remote, steep terrain, and crews are trying to fight the fire indirectly through the air while still strategizing a ground attack. Dozens of structures, including several homes, are in close proximity to the fire, and evacuation orders are in place for some surrounding communities. The fire is burning west of the Arroyo Seco campgrounds. Officials say the campground will be closed until at least Wednesday. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. Turning to the pandemic, a law was passed in California last year that required employers to disclose whether their workplace had suffered a COVID-19 outbreak and how severe that outbreak was. But according to an investigation by the Bay Area News Group, only about a third of the counties in the state have released specific information on workplace outbreaks in response to public records requests. 20 counties did release information, and in many cases, they disclosed previously unreported outbreaks, including cases where employees were not told how many of their fellow workers had contracted the virus. Several counties declined to provide records, citing privacy concerns for employees who may be associated with an outbreak. But health and legal experts say it's far-fetched to suggest someone could identify an infected worker simply from knowing their place of employment. We're going to turn now to the latest investigation from NPR's California Newsroom. A new state law required school districts to keep detailed attendance and engagement records this year to make sure that students online didn't fall behind. Well, Valley Public Radio's Sarith Hawk found students were counted present and engaged when they did little more than log in. She took a deep dive into the data at one school district outside of Fresno and found that attendance numbers don't reflect the frustrating reality of the school year. After over a year online, Madeira Unified adopted a hybrid schedule in April so students could return to classrooms a couple of days a week. But walk into Rodia Montgomery Gentry's 12th grade economics class in early June, and it felt like school was already out. Desks with plastic dividers lined the room at Madera South High School, but there were only three students. Everyone, would you mind turning on your camera? We, um, it's our last day, might as well. Most of the students Montgomery Gentry was talking to were still online. Out of 27 logged in, eight had their cameras turned on, but most of those cameras pointed at the ceiling. Senior Daniel Lupian Seha was one of the few students in the room. He says he had always cared deeply about school, but in the pandemic, he lost his motivation, his drive. Online learning made classwork seem, well, empty. It just didn't feel as real. 
it felt like a phone call versus actually like being there and talking with someone. Madera Unified is a poor district. Nearly 90% of students receive a free or reduced price lunch. Here at Madera South High, the vast majority of students are English learners. 70% speak Spanish at home, and others speak indigenous languages like Zapoteco and Mixteco. So how are those students doing? Valley Public Radio filed the Public Records Act request for the school's attendance records. And officially, the chronic absenteeism rate was just 5%, meaning nearly all of its students were going to class. But that's not what teachers and students were seeing. And even the district admits that official statistic is misleading. It's inflated. I mean, it's absolutely inflated. Allison Crafton, director of student services at Madera Unified, was in charge of making sure records were compliant with state requirements. And you can literally be on your phone with your friends and YouTube and and or sleeping. But that's not how the district was supposed to keep track of their students. Under a law signed by Governor Newsom last June, administrators were required to track not only whether students showed up, but how much they participated in distance learning. For example, whether they communicated with their teacher or turned in assignments. But though we requested it, the district didn't share that detail with us. And neither did bigger school districts like Fresno and Clovis Unified. And so, Crafton says, the true level of student engagement remains unknown. And quite frankly, I don't know that, um, I don't know that there's any way to tell. Senior Daniel Lupian Seha was counted as president when he was online. He would log on, but he wouldn't do the work. Eventually, taking a job pulling weeds from grape crops seemed like a more sane use of his time. I was mostly in the fields, like working, trying to earn money, because that seemed more important to me at the time than just keeping up my grades. But when school reopened, he changed course. What helped me get back into school was realizing that if I don't, if I don't put in the effort into my work, I might not graduate. One way you can judge how engaged students were this year is with their grades. Because you were here last semester. In Montgomery Gentry's economics class, 11 students got D's and F's. That's twice as much as during a normal year where she says the average is four to five. Econ or civics is a graduation requirement, so students who fail this class can't graduate. We visited on the last day of school as Montgomery Gentry readied to sign off, addressing students both in class and online. It's been an honor to be called your teacher. And it's been an honor to be called your guys' teacher. Tears begin to form in her eyes as she addresses a screen of digital squares. Um, This is hard on you. It's hard on teachers. But you made it. You made it. Montgomery Gentry says she believes the most important lesson for students this year was resiliency, a life lesson they'll carry into adulthood. For The California Report, I'm Sarith Hawk. Support for The California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, rebuilding the future of health care with every Californian in mind, from quality and equitable care to not-for-profit values. Learn more at news.blueshieldca.com. Water heaters only. Specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured. Open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. 
and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that is the California Report for this Monday, June 21st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thank you for listening and have a great day. In this evening's National Native News, the U.S. Army is starting the process of returning the remains of 10 Native students buried at the Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania. In Washington State, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals hands down an important decision for the Yakima Nation. Then, the Gila River Indian community in Arizona eases their COVID-19 restrictions as case numbers continue to decrease, and the Red Lake Nation appoints a tribal monitor to assess the protested construction of the Line 3 pipeline. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The remains of an Alaska Native student buried more than 100 years ago at the Carlisle Indian School in Pennsylvania will return to Alaska. The U.S. Army is starting the process to return the remains of 10 Native students buried at the school. According to a U.S. Army press release, nine students are from the Rosebud Sioux Tribe, and one student, Sophia Titoff, is identified as Aleut. Sophia entered the school in 1901 and died in 1906. WITF reports Sophia's remains will be returned to St. Paul Island. The school operated from 1879 to 1918. The Confederated Tribes and Bands of the Yakima Nation now have clarity over boundaries of the reservation in Washington State. This month, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the tribe in a land dispute between the nation and Klickitat County. At issue were more than 121,000 acres of land known as Track D. The land was included on a map as part of the Yakima's 1855 treaty with the federal government. The county's arguments were based on a congressional effort to change the boundaries of the Yakima Reservation in 1904. The Ninth Circuit agreed there is some ambiguity with respect to the boundaries and Track D, but sided with the tribe. The tribe filed its original complaint after a juvenile citizen of the Yakima Nation was arrested, charged, and convicted for committing a crime within the boundaries of Track D. A federal judge sided with the tribe in 2019. The county appealed last November. Under the recent decision, the county has no jurisdiction to prosecute tribal citizens for offenses committed within Track D or anywhere else on the Yakima Reservation. The Gila River Indian community in Arizona is lifting some COVID-19 restrictions as case numbers are low and the tribe continues with its vaccination effort. The stay-at-home order is rescinded and the mask requirement is eliminated except for government employees who are not fully vaccinated, visitors and first responders. The tribe is also changing the limit on gatherings from 20 people to 40. Governor Stephen Rowe Lewis discussed his executive order modifying the safety measures in a video message to the community over the weekend. I understand that many jurisdictions are lifting restrictions completely, but as a sovereign government, we have to make those decisions that are best for our community as a whole. And our priority has never changed throughout the pandemic. We've put the safety of the community first and will continue to do so until we reach a safety threshold where we can lift all restrictions. Lewis says the safety measures may be reinstated if public health and safety is in jeopardy again. Lewis says those who are not fully vaccinated are encouraged to continue to follow COVID-19 precautions. As of Saturday, the Gila River Indian community's vaccination rate was at 39 percent. 
The Red Lake Nation in Minnesota is calling on the federal government to stop construction of the Line 3 oil pipeline. In a virtual press conference over the weekend, Red Lake Nation Secretary Sam Strong says they're calling on the government to step in as construction restarts at a river crossing. Red Lake has appointed a tribal monitor who is at the site to represent their interests. Sasha Bolia will be our tribal monitor. Her role will be to ensure that all of the uh, protections that should be in place for our land within the 1863 treaty boundaries are respected and that our uh, living cultural historical properties as well as the environmental sites are protected. Red Lake is also involved in legal challenges. Meanwhile, Indigenous-led groups have vowed to continue to protest and try to stop construction after a Minnesota court last week upheld approvals of permits for Line 3, which is being built to replace an aging pipeline. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This reminder to get your COVID-19 vaccination is provided by the Association of American Indian Physicians and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention who support this show. Info at aaip.org or cdc.gov slash coronavirus. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. The union has reported the victim of a Nevada City homicide to be 30-year-old British citizen Jesse Clayton Robier. Police found Robier dead of multiple gunshot wounds last Wednesday in a residence on Bodie Ridge Road. Originally from Brighton, England, Robier had been living in Truckee. According to Nevada County Sheriff's Lieutenant Sean Scales, Robier knew the owner of the residence where he was found deceased. The primary suspect in Robier's death died Wednesday as a result of gunshot wounds after a vehicle pursuit with police in Eureka County, Nevada. The suspect was being pursued after he shot and wounded a Nevada transportation worker earlier that day. Around noon today, a vegetation fire was reported progressing towards Meadow Lane and Willow Glen Road, south of the Challenge area. Roughly three acres were burned. The Meadow Fire is reported as 100% contained. No individuals or structures were harmed. Fire season is upon us, but Californians don't just have to be wary of flames. The Sacramento Bee has published a piece focusing on the increasing difficulty and in many instances, impossibility of residents to secure fire insurance. In Nevada and Placer County, insurers have dropped over 25,000 policies. Nevada County real estate agent Tiffany Hald is quoted as saying, every buyer in Nevada County is scared about being able to access fire insurance. Homeowners who lose their coverage wind up on the FAIR plan, the state's insurance plan, for those with no other option. This offers them a bare-bones plan limited to covering fire hazards, which means customers who end up on the FAIR plan have to supplement it with a comprehensive homeowner's policy to handle burglary, accidents, and other perils. Most FAIR plan policyholders pay two or three times what they had been spending on their previous insurance plans. The Placer County Sheriff's Office has charged a man with attempted murder after a shooting in Kings Beach. Yesterday, June 20th, 
At 3.37 a.m., the Placer County Sheriff's Office responded to a report of shots fired in the Kings Beach area. Deputies located five shell casings at the scene. Witnesses reported a vehicle quickly fleeing the location. According to the PCSO, a victim claimed the suspect confronted him after a verbal altercation and fired off rounds from a handgun over the victim's head. Deputies and detectives, with assistance from the Washoe County Sheriff's Office, were able to identify the shooter as 27-year-old Samuel Navarro of Incline Village, Nevada. On June 21st, at 12.36 a.m., a PCSO deputy located Navarro driving in the Kings Beach area. The suspect drove his vehicle off the roadway and fled on foot. After a brief manhunt, Navarro was apprehended. A search of his vehicle revealed a handgun matching the one used in the shooting and 17 grams of methamphetamine. Navarro has been arrested for attempted murder, assault with a deadly weapon, negligent discharge of a firearm, possession of a firearm while in possession of controlled substance, and resisting arrest. A small fire broke out this afternoon in South County, but was quickly contained by firefighters after burning between one to two acres, authorities say. The blaze started around 2.55 p.m. near Valkenberg Lane, south of Alta Sierra and just north of Lake of the Pines, according to a spokesperson for the Nevada County Consolidated Fire District. The union reported around 3.30 p.m. Monday, CAL FIRE and other responding personnel had already stopped the forward progress of the fire, and requests for additional resources for the firefighters on scene had been canceled. The fire only burned between one to two acres with no injuries reported nor structures threatened by the blaze. And now for regional weather. The National Weather Service is warning not to get overly excited about cooling temperatures this week. It will not last, they say. The slight cooling trend is expected through the midweek. In Grass Valley in Nevada City, tonight, clear skies with a low around 61. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 88. In Truckee and Tahoe, tonight, some clouds with a low around 46. Tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 80. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, clear skies with a low around 58. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 86. The summer solstice arrived last night, making yesterday, and today, the longest days of the year. But the length of a day is not all that grows long with the solstice. Al Stoller explains. Let's say you and I are playing catch. Playing catch downtown, each of us on opposite sides of the street. Throwing the ball across the street should be no problem. But we're playing catch during a holiday street fair. The street is closed to traffic and full, full to overflowing with people. You throw the ball, and it's immediately caught by the person right in front of you. She throws the ball again, but in a random direction. She might throw the ball in my direction, but more likely, she'll throw it in some other direction. She might even throw the ball right back to you. She throws the ball, and it's caught again by the person right next to her. He then throws the ball any which way. It's caught again, thrown again, caught again, thrown again, over and over every which way. Chances are that ball will never get across the street. Fortunately, you've brought a whole box full of balls. You fling one ball after another toward me. Each one is caught and flung again at random. But finally, one ball makes it all the way and I catch it. Now, you have to throw hundreds of balls so that just one ball could reach me. So now, just to make this a real game of catch, you get a new box of balls 
and slather the balls with a thick coat of grease. Now it's much harder to catch a ball. Folks in the street only manage to snag a ball every now and then. On the other side of the street, I get to catch a lot of those greased balls. Not all of them, but a lot. Okay, you open up another box of balls and slather these balls, not with ordinary grease, but with super slick, super slippery grease. Now the folks in the street can barely catch even one of them. On the far side of the street, I get to catch nearly all the balls you throw. This crazy game of catch is what we play every day with sunlight. The sun lobs light toward us, waves of sunlight. You know how when you're playing in the ocean or in the bathtub, waves roll by. Waves can be short, coming in one after another, or waves can be long, rolling past you in their own sweet time. Sunlight is composed of waves of all different lengths, short waves, long waves. Different wavelengths of light are different colors. Any wavelength of light, short or long, any color, has no trouble cruising through the emptiness of space. But before sunlight can reach our eyes, those waves of light have got to pass through the air, which for light, the situation is a lot like the ball we've been trying to throw across the street. Just like people in the street, air molecules, tiny bits of air, catch those waves of sunlight and toss them around, this way and that. Red light waves behave like the balls we coated with super grease. They make it across the street, through the atmosphere, through the air, no problem. When the sun is low in the sky, like at sunset, waves of sunlight are passing through a lot of air. The only waves that can make it all the way across, all the way through the air, are the super greasy red ones, which is why sunsets are red. Yellow and green get caught, like the balls with ordinary grease. Some of the yellow and green get through, but they get tossed around a lot, this way and that. And then there's blue. Waves of blue light are like the balls that never get greased at all. Even in the middle of the day, blue sunlight gets caught, thrown around this way and that, caught and thrown over and over every which way. Blue waves of sunlight have a heck of a job getting across the street, getting through the air. Blue light is flung all over the sky, which is why the sky is blue. The air over our heads scatters sunlight across the sky even after the sun's gone down, after sunset. After sunset, the air catches sunlight from below the horizon and tosses it up above the horizon, keeping the sky above our heads lit up after sunset. That is twilight. Around the time of the spring and autumn equinox, the sun sets fast. But now, with the summer solstice having just arrived last night, now at the solstice, the sun sets slowly. And even after it's set, the sun lingers, hangs out just below the horizon, which gives sunlight time to scatter back up over the horizon, back into the sky over our heads. With the sun lingering just below the horizon, Twilight, around the summer solstice, twilight lasts a long, long time, and the sky does not grow dark these nights until very, very late. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller.
That's our newscast for tonight, Monday, June 21st, 2021. We get support from Habitat for Humanity Restore at 12359 Loma Rica Drive. Scheduling contactless donation pickups at 274-3761. Together, building stronger communities one home at a time. Habitat for Humanity Restore Grass Valley. And Pioneer Solar, locally owned in Nevada City with over 20 years of experience, offering residential and commercial consulting and installation. Reminding listeners, solar power is renewable energy, a personal asset, and an investment. Pioneer.solar. Stick around. Coming up next at 6.30, the Women's International News Gathering Service in discussion with Kenyan environmental and political activist, Nobel Peace Prize laureate, biologist Dr. Wangari Mathai. And then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.